0: Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy.
1: We're collaborating.
0: We are. (laughs) And for the second time. That's right. That's right. So this
1: is the second part of our two-part series about online collaboration. So in the the first part of this we talked about some of the principles and today we're going to be talking about some of the some of the actual the practical tools that you can use for collaborating online. Just really working together on a project or a task or some sort of collaborative effort uh, and using internet tools to do that. So, I guess we should start by recapping some of the things we talked about last time, Chris, maybe just in brief. So, the the first point that we made was that there are a number of people that you could collaborate with uh, and you may not have thought of all of them. So, you might think of collaborating with your workmates or your colleagues or your team members, but you can also now collaborate much more easily with people like customers and clients, with suppliers and even with competitors even though those, are, those people are different and the way you collaborate with them will be different in a business viewpoint or just in a workflow viewpoint, the tools that you use and the tools we're going to talk about are pretty much going to be the same regardless of who you're collaborating with. It's like every, on the Internet, everyone can be equal and can have an equal say and um, you have to manage that appropriately. But the tools we're going to talk about today apply to everybody that you collaborate with.
0: And as well as uh, the people that you can collaborate with, we gave some guidelines for online collaboration. So they were use the cloud, and we're going to be talking about some cloud services that you can use today. Show your face, so give people the opportunity to show their their personality. Um, Let go of perfection. I think uh, the rule of thumb you gave, Gihan, was to go for about 80%, 20%, so don't go for that 100% uh, perfection. Uh, Have a plan to work to, to make sure that uh, people understand uh, the roadmap that they're following. Set some ground rules so that uh, if people have particular roles, make sure that they're uh, stated up front. And think global. Remember that you're dealing with people uh, scattered across the globe and different customs and currencies and languages might apply.
1: Yeah, great. So. So let's get into it, Chris, because there's a lot of tools that we could talk about. In fact, as we were doing the preparation for this podcast, we realized there's so many tools that are out there now that are available for online collaboration. There's just no way that we could cover all of them, but we're going to give you examples and samples of each so that you have some idea of what is available, and the exact tool that you use might be different from the ones that we use. And In fact, we're going to focus on the tools that you and I, Chris, actually use personally in our day-to-day work or our um, business or even for personal... It's not collaboration. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so when we were thinking about this, we realized that the, the principles of collaboration, the way that people work together, has stayed the same. Um, even before the Internet was around, people were collaborating, of course. Um, but, of course, at the time, it was much harder to collaborate with people who weren't in the same office as you, uh, let alone in the same city or country. So if we take a scenario, and uh, I'm going to pick one, Chris, that has been near and dear to you because you've just moved into a new house fairly recently, and I know that you mentioned in the last podcast that you were collaborating with your architect in designing the house, but let's think about a, a, a typical sort of project um, at, in an architectural firm before the internet was around. So there are a number, number of things that would happen, and this is true of most projects. So you start it off as a new project, so you set up something internally to say we've got a new project, you bring a team together, and maybe you even have to hire extra staff or contractors because they're building a mansion like, like you've got, Chris, <laughs> there are a whole bunch of meetings that happen during the project they happen internally in the office sometimes you bring in the clients sometimes you have to work with town planners and other civic authorities then there are also these informal ad hoc meetings that happen within the within the uh, team during the project uh, conversations around the water cooler just informal discussions bulletin boards things like that uh, of course the project has various deadlines and milestones and uh, client approvals and sign-offs and deliverables Then the actual documents that you work on, the plans and the blueprints, of course, the team works together on that. Um, You need to have some mechanism to make sure that you keep track of changes and comments and revisions uh, from the client and from within the team. Um, you might have to call on outside experts from time to time uh, that, that aren't part of the project team but you bring them in for specific things uh, and then as you get towards the end the client will take along copies of various documents um, to take take back and maybe share with their spouse and friends and get their opinions uh, then towards the end you sign off on documents or the client signs off and eventually the project's over you hand it over to the client and you maybe archive internally create an archive of the the documents you've been working with so that's probably how a typical project used to work and in fact apart from the fact that we're not going to be talking about doing it on the internet that is how typical projects do work now at least in theory would you agree with that Chris? Yes, that's right in theory Yeah. So I guess the thing is that the the how of doing this has now changed and it's changed quite dramatically, but the what that we're doing has broadly remained the same. So that's what we're going to use for the structure of this podcast. So rather than just dump a whole lot of online tools on you, we're going, to share, we're going to share it in the context of that process. So we're going to talk about some of the things that I've just been through, but then how you can use online collaboration for them. And let's assume that we're going to do as much online collaboration as possible. So rather than assuming that all the meetings are going to be done in in an office because everyone is there, let's assume that we have got people uh, in different offices in different parts of the world, different time zones, just so that you get the most out of this podcast in terms of the tools that we talk about. So
0: uh, let's kick off with the very first part of uh, a collaborative effort, which is setting up the project. And the first thing that uh, will need to be done is to create some kind of workspace where everyone can collaborate.
1: Yeah, this is an area where in the last couple of years, Web 2.0 has made it really easy to create private workspaces where uh, you can invite who you want and keep out people that you don't. And probably the best example of this, and this is one that I use extensively in my own business, uh, not necessarily for collaboration but for, for an online community, is a service called Ning. And if you're familiar with Facebook, um, where you can have a community with your friends and you can connect with them and have discussions with them, well, Ning is like setting up your own private version of Facebook. And uh, you can set it up to be public or private. And if you're doing collaboration with a team, you'd make it private. You'd invite the people that you'd want to have involved in it and keep out everybody else.
0: And what sorts of uh, tools does Ning provide within it, Gihan? The one that I've seen of yours has things like um, announcements for teleseminars and webinars and blog postings and articles by members of the community. Can you give us a brief rundown of the kinds of tools Ning provides?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So the things that it it allows you to set up a profile for yourself, and this is where we talked about earlier on, where we said uh, show your face. So people can post their profile, they can put a photo of themselves, they can customize the look and feel of it, change the color scheme. Uh, so that's the first thing. So you set up you set up profiles, and then you can connect with other people that uh, that are in the community. And If it's a private community, you'd probably connect with everybody, so you can send them private messages in there uh, within the Ning community as well. In addition, you can do things Things like um, set up discussion forums. You can even set up private little groups. So if there's part of your team, it's a fairly big team, you can set up a part of your team that's working on some aspect of it. They can set up a private group where they can have their own discussion forum, uh, the discussions in there without interfering with the general discussion forums. Um, the other things you mentioned, are you can have uh, announcements of events. Um, and every member of the team can set up their own private blog within Ning as well um, and if you're doing some sort of collaborative effort it might be useful for you to just make your own personal announcements by using your blog okay. so those are, the, those are the main tools that Ning provides there is another simpler uh, collaboration tool and I use this with uh, there's a group of four of us who are, we've set up a little mastermind group because we're all on this 12-month development program. We have set up this little private collaboration in a, in a tool called Wigio, which is a little bit simpler than Ning. It's certainly not as sophisticated, but if you're doing simple collaborations for, for uh, where you only want the online component to be a small part of your um, collaborative effort, then Wigio is quite useful as well.
0: Another way in which you can set up an online collaborative workspace is to use something like Twitter. Now normally when you tweet that goes out, that can be seen by all your followers, but Twitter's got a relatively new feature called groups that allows you to set up uh, small groups of friends and then you can direct tweets just to that group. And in addition, you can set up a private account in which you can control who follows you. So normally anyone can follow you, anyone who's interested in what you've got to tweet about. But you can also restrict uh, your followers. You can control who is your follower uh, through Twitter. So that's a really simple and free way of setting up a collaborative workspace.
1: Yeah, so once you've got your work set up, the next thing, of course, is to invite people into your team. And there will be some people who are already part of your team and they will naturally be involved. But the other thing, then, we have talked about this before, is how you outsource some of the tasks which you don't have the expertise uh, in-house, but you want to outsource and find providers elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and one of the tools that we have used to find um, uh, suppliers has been elance.com. Uh, that's been around for several years now. Uh, I used it to find uh, a ghostwriter for an ebook writing project, and I think you've used it for that as well, Gihan, as well as some other um, projects you've, you've worked on. Um, and then there's other websites like guru.com and rentacoder.com if you've got a, a software development or a website writing project. So once you've set up your team, the next step in the uh, collaborative effort is uh, project planning. And do you want to talk about BasecampHQ.com, a service that you've used, home?
1: Yeah, yeah, because we mentioned this is one of our our guidelines is work to a plan. And there are now online project planning tools that are available. And what you want to have is something where people can have a look at deadlines, deliverables, um, to do list for what's coming up this week. Who's got responsibilities for various tasks? All of that is um, is important, especially important when you're not working in the same office. And Basecamp HQ is a paid service um, from a company called Thirty Seven Signals, and it's a it's a great little service for managing um, multiple projects. And it allows you to set up the things that I just talked about, so you can set up. Actions and due dates and who's responsible for them and everyone can go in and have a look okay what's going to happen this week um, or what's going to happen in the next three weeks or what they can look at a calendar and see what deadlines or what time frames am I working towards Um, I think it might even be free to start off with Chris maybe with one project it's free uh, but then you start paying and you start paying based on how many projects concurrent projects you're going to have going Um, but it's very affordable I I had a look at it and I started using it with my client a couple of years ago, the problem I had with it was that clients would just much rather just email attachments back back and forth, rather than logging into Basecamp each time to upload the documents and and work on them in the collaborative workspace. So, for for some things. It's uh, not as useful and it gets in the way, Um, and it does make sense. With the collaborative projects that I work on with most of my clients, it's usually just a case of uh, ping-ponging documents back and forth, in which case email works fine. But if you're doing something more complex, you might want to look into something like Basecamp. Okay, great.
0: Uh, Another aspect of your collaboration is going to be uh, having meetings. Now, there are several aspects to meetings. There's the schedule of the meeting in the first place, conducting the meeting itself, and perhaps uh, recording a transcript of the audio, video uh, of the meeting. So starting with the scheduling of meetings, most of us are probably familiar with calendaring tools like um, Outlook, and I've got one in Thunderbird that I call Use Lightning. So that's uh, one of the basic... Um, calendaring tools that most of us are going to be familiar with, but there are a couple of other online tools that also make it possible to improve the way in which you schedule meetings.
1: Yeah, that's right. These are are tools that make it easy for you to do something that seems like it should be easy but can be extremely time-consuming and frustrating, which is simply getting the getting the team together or getting part of the team together at the same time for a meeting. And there are a couple of really useful tools that I've just started uh, exploring and investigating and just started using. Uh, so timebridge.com is one where it's like sending out an email saying, here are five possible meeting times, tick the ones that you would like that you're available for and that you're not available for. So you can do it just with straight email but then somebody has to coordinate all those uh, times and see when people are available when they're not. TimeBridge automates that for you. And the second tool is one called Tungle Me. So T-U-N-G-L-E dot me. Um, and this is one of many others that allow you to show your availability online. So it's like exporting your normal calendar whether you're using it in Outlook or in Lightning or Lotus Notes or whatever it is and put it up on the internet privately for the people that you want to show um, and you can show which time slots you're available in and it won't just show everything that you haven't already got booked you can say you can shade in particular areas and say i'm available in these times and the, the idea is that if i'm running outlook which is what i use it integrates very easily with tangle me so i can just block out bits of time in my Outlook calendar and it automatically gets updated on the internet so that people that I share that with can then go in and book times with me.
0: So that's the advantage of some of these tools like TimeBridge and Me. Not everyone is going to be running Outlook especially when you're outsourcing uh, project members to people who are you know, you've never worked with before. They might not be on the same Microsoft Exchange server as you. They might not be using the same calendaring tools and so you can't rely on everyone having Outlook in order to schedule meetings and in order to have a look at what everyone's availability is. So that's where the power of tools like Tangle.me comes in because it integrates all those disparate um, bits of software and makes it easier for you to integrate and schedule meetings between people who are using all kinds of different tools.
1: Yeah, Yep. so... Now that we've got the meeting scheduled, the next step is, of course, to run the meeting. And um, in the olden days, you'd get together in a, in a boardroom or a meeting room somewhere. Um, and, and by the way, you can still use tools like TimeBridge and TangleMe if you need to have face-to-face meetings. But there are also now some very sophisticated tools for running online meetings.
0: Yeah, so we can start with just the teleconferencing tools, which I'm sure most people have used already. So everyone dials into a particular number and uh, they can speak over the plain old telephone system, uh, to via a teleconference line um, and of course you don't have to use the plain old telephone system you can use voice over IP so we're using Skype at the moment for this particular podcast recording uh, and then you can go one step further if you want to share uh, information on your screens then you can use some of the webinar tools and in some cases I've used WebEx, which has allowed um, uh, particular suppliers to demonstrate software that I might be interested in using. And then with uh, member, colleagues who have happened to have NetMeeting installed and who are using Microsoft Office, I've been able to share my desktop to demonstrate some of the tools and software that I've developed using NetMeeting.
1: And the one which I use, which is equivalent of Webex, Chris, is is called GoToMeeting or GoToWebinar, which is a more sophisticated one for running presentations online. But basically it's the same technology. It lets you run a meeting where everyone's on the phone or dialing in through the internet but they can see your screen as well so it's visuals in in addition to teleconference calls so some of those tools are available and we could run a whole podcast just on that but just be aware aware that some of those tools are available now and are really feasible and quite attractive especially when you consider the cost of putting together bringing people together for a face-to-face meeting And the other thing with that, Chris, is that most of these tools have an inbuilt recording capability. So all you've got to do is the person who's hosting the meeting clicks one button and the whole meeting is recorded, audio and visuals if you have them, um, so that it can be as simple as in terms of reporting all you've got to do is send out the recording to your to the participants and that could be the record of the conversation that's made you don't necessarily need a secretary to take minutes and to and to circulate them afterwards you might still want to do that or in some cases where it's really important you might even want to get it transcribed and then again you just send the recording to someone at eLANDS and they'll send you back a transcript yeah
0: great Now, as well as formal meetings that you might want to schedule with the tools we've just spoken about, there's also informal discussions, so uh, in the pre-Web 2.0 days, we're talking about uh, discussions around the water cooler in the office or getting together informally in the corridor. Well, with uh, the advent of Web 2.0, there are many and varied ways of conducting those informal discussions uh, using online tools. So if you just want to have an asynchronous discussion, so that's where you're not meeting essentially face-to-face and having the discussion at the same time, then one place in which you can do that is discussion forums. So we've discussed web forums in the past, and I believe, Gihan, that Ning has the ability to allow to have asynchronous chats.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think that asynchronous, but it's a synchronous thing, is quite valuable to understand so asynchronous means that the two people don't have to be in the same place at the same time and um, we're synchronous which is what we're doing now is where they are so a meeting is typically synchronous because you need everyone there at the same time but there are some asynchronous tools which are very powerful and as you said Ning allows you to have set up a discussion forum somebody posts a message and somebody later logs in and replies to that message
0: Yes, yeah, so a bit like posting notes to bulletin boards with questions and uh, the answers provided a bit later on, perhaps.
1: Yeah, and in fact, talking about bulletin boards, Chris, there's a very nifty little tool called Wall Wisher. Dot com, which is a free online bulletin board. So you just you go there, you set up a bulletin board, and you get a private link to it, and then you send that around to other people, and they can just post little notes. It's uh, It makes your screen look like a little bulletin board. People put notes on there. Uh, I've done this for setting up the agenda for a conference call. So I set up this. Um, we'd already scheduled the conference call. I set up this Wisher bulletin board, added my notes to it, and the other parties on the call could then go in and add their notes as well and that became the agenda for a
0: call. Cool. So that's the asynchronous discussion and then the synchronous discussion is where both or all parties are present at the same time. And so the kinds of tools that facilitate synchronous discussions are things like chat rooms and instant messaging messaging services. Uh, They all make it possible for you to have either a um, verbal or a um, text-based synchronous discussion. Yeah, and of course Twitter as well. Yeah, that's great. Yep.
1: And there's also some other really cool and nifty tools, um, which do things like online mind mapping. So you can start a mind map and then other people that you invite can add to your mind maps. So, so it's like building a group mind map or building a group diagram. So there's some really cool online tools that allow you to do stuff visually, not just text based.
0: Yeah, I've seen a similar tool for constructing um, timelines as well. So they're, yeah, as you say, very nifty and cool.
1: Okay, so we talked about how we get people involved and how we get them to meet and how we get them to um, run meetings together and have discussions. But really, what are, they, what are they collaborating on? So let's talk about document sharing, Chris, because that's a very big part of online
0: collaboration. Absolutely. So the tool that we'll talk about in that regard is Google Docs and we're using it right now for uh, the notes that Gihan and I are working on for this particular podcast and previous podcasts. And Google Docs is a web-based office productivity suite, so it includes all the office tools you're familiar with, so word processor, presentation tool, a spreadsheet tool as well. Um, It's not as sophisticated as a desktop word processor, but it's good enough for most of your day-to-day editing needs and you can upload existing documents that you might already have in uh, a pre-existing Office format, Um, and as well as, uh, once they're uploaded, then you can also download them in PDF or in HTML or in uh, the Word document format. So, as I said, we've been using Google Docs for about a year now to prepare notes for our Focal Point podcasts. But one of its most uh, important features isn't so much that you can uh, have a word processor online in your web browser. It's that you can share that document with other Google users and you can collaboratively edit those documents. That's uh, where its real power comes comes into play. So you don't have to... Um, send around a single master copy of a document and keep track of who's got the master, who's made edits to it. You just have a single instance of the document that you work on collaboratively online. And one of the cool new features of Google Docs is that as well as uh, standard office documents, you can upload any kind of file for sharing in the uh, Google Docs workspace.
1: Yep, yeah, and I agree with everything you said. I don't think there's anything I want to add to that except to say, look, you've just got to try it. You'd be amazed at how powerful and useful it is if you're working collaboratively.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and another way in which you can work collaboratively on documents is wikis. So, the, for those of you who don't know what a wiki is, a quick definition is that it's a website for collaboratively editing a collection of interlinked web pages. And the most well known example of this, if you want to see one in action, is wikipedia.org, which is a free online collaboratively edited encyclopedia. Now, uh, a lot of people are using wikis in their workplaces so that they can uh, do collaborative documentation. So for the company that I work for, we have uh, an internal wiki where lots of projects are documented and all of the members of those projects are able to edit the wiki pages so that uh, we collaboratively and iteratively build up documentation about the project.
1: Um, So we talked about this idea of documents that we share in the cloud and that was one of our guidelines is to use the cloud as much as possible and both Google Docs and Wikis are using the cloud but there may be times when you want to take documents and take them out of the cloud and just pass them around. Um, so you want to send copies of documents this is the example that we were talking about with the architect where the architect would at some point say to the client look here's a photocopy of the plan so far or here's a photocopy of the, the artist's impression how your house is going to look take this away so how do we do that online?
0: Yeah so you might not want to use a something like Google Docs to share those kinds of documents you just want to give a single copy to them so that the client can have a look at them and Attaching it to an email, uh, might it, that was the way that our architect handled things but some of those files were really big and it's getting to the point where they're just too large to attach to an email. Uh, and this is where file ho- file hosting websites come in handy. So what happens there is that you upload the file to the website, and then it provides you with a URL that you share with the person that you want to give that file to. So you send them that URL, and then that person can download the file from the file host uh, using the URL that you provided. And Gihan and I have done that for um, sharing the audio recording of our podcast because it's a large mp3 file it's too big to attach to an email um, message so we use a website called RapidShare, which is free there's no registration required simply upload the zip file uh, in this case to RapidShare. then i share with gihan the url of that particular zip file i've uploaded
1: yeah, and I've, I've used a similar service, Chris. I use a service called Dropbox, Dropbox.com. It's free, gives you two, gig, two gigabytes of space, which is quite a lot. And um, it just sets up a little folder on your PC or your Mac. You just drag files into it, and it gets automatically uploaded to the internet, and anybody who has who you give your password to can then log into that Dropbox account and retrieve the files. So Dropbox is generally designed for individuals where you're running things on multiple computers, um, but you can use it. Uh, for collaborative work as well. So there's a client of mine at the moment. They're an association, and I've got them using Dropbox for their national board, who's all around the country, to share documents that they're working on together. So they have a single Dropbox account. Everybody on the board knows the password, and they all log into it and upload and download and delete and edit
0: files. Okay, that's great. So as well as uh, creating and collaboratively working on documents and sending copies uh, between members of the team. The other thing that you might want to do is actually manage documents that uh, are part of your project. One of the tools available for this sort of thing are online help desks and issue trackers. So they provide an online space where if you have any um, issues related to parts of the project or particular documents that you're working on, then you can register Information about the issue, and then other members of teams will teams will see that, and that they can work on it. They can add case notes uh, to what about what they're doing to resolve the issue, and the various tools that I've come across and used for doing that are called Bugzilla and Track, and they can either be installed on uh, your company's web server, and then you can control access to them, or there are web hosts out there, or or, or hosts on the web who will actually install and manage Bugzilla and track for you, and all you have to do is set up an account with them.
1: I think the important point that you made, Chris, that it's not just about managing your documents. It's about managing any sort of issues that, that arise during a project. So if you're meeting with your architect at the end of the meeting, there may be a list of five action points that they have to then go away and work on before the next meeting they can add each of those five things into these this issue tracking systems, and then you, from the comfort of your home, can log in and see the status of that, and you can see what comments they've made, um, how, they manage, how they're managing the progress on them, and um, what the result is.
0: Yeah, and in addition, other questions might come up in the course of handling that case, uh, and you can provide additional information as it might be required, or you can try out uh, solutions that uh, have been suggested as the case evolves.
1: Yeah, this is something that very early on when the web started becoming popular, Chris, FedEx started doing a very similar or simpler version of this where they would allow you, they would give you a parcel ID and they would allow you to log into the FedEx website and it would tell you where that parcel is and where it is in, in its, on its way to its destination. So this is the same sort of idea that you have a particular issue and you want everybody on the team to have access to that. And so you have one of these um, help desks or these support systems or these issue trackers uh, which allows everybody on the team to see what's happening with uh, with the progress of a, every item.
0: Yeah, so we can move on from that because uh, it's a good segue into the next section which is what happens when uh, perhaps an issue can't be sorted out by members of the team or the client, how do you go about finding and asking for outside help? And one of the places to do that is online communities of experts. So we've talked in the past about things like web forums or communities that have been set up in uh, places like Ning where you might have team members who are members of those communities. Um, But something that I did recently is that I have a blog that's part of the um, workplace that I work in. Um, It's an internal blog rather than one that's published to uh, the Internet at large. And I was conducting a particular review, so I asked on the blog for input from members of the organisation. And I got an overwhelming response, which was really encouraging from uh, the point of view of knowing that people were actually reading the blog, um, as well as the valuable information that they provided for the review I was conducted and finding out about activities that were going on that I wasn't previously aware of. So in a sense, I was crowdsourcing within the limited confines of uh, the colleagues in my workplace.
1: Okay, so Chris, I think we've done the, the whole range uh, from the start of the project to all the way through working on the project collaboratively all, all the way up to the end, and we're even bringing in outside help. We've talked about a number of tools that are available for people to do online collaboration. Are there any specific things that they should think about if they're going to embark on this?
0: Yeah, one of the issues that confronts some organisations is that they're um, reticent to start using the cloud. So many of these services that we've discussed today are cloud-based services. They're out there on the public internet. Uh, but many organisations are understandably nervous about storing confidential information on a third-party server, servers, especially given the recent revelations that the world's biggest internet company, Google, had their Gmail service hacked. But uh, nevertheless, many of the types of tools that we 've discussed can also be installed locally on your own web servers, so then responsibility for security remains in house, and then all access uh, can be arranged through things like VPNs if you want to get secure access to give secure access to staff who are outside of uh, the company 's firewall
1: that 's a really important consideration we think of working online you know the funny thing is that when I've worked with people, worked with clients and worked with colleagues in trying to get them to go online to collaborate on projects. The biggest problems that I face aren't necessarily technical problems. But it's people's reluctance and maybe unfamiliarity with technology. So they're a little bit reluctant to actually try and do some of these things. Uh, And I can understand that because there's a bit of an obstacle at the start. And I hope that some of the tools that we've shared, you'll be willing to go out and try. Because once you get over that initial obstacle of, hey, this is a new environment for me, it actually can be very, very productive.
0: Yeah, so let's reinforce that point, Gihan. Let's uh, encourage our listeners to give it a go. Many of these tools are free to use. They're simple to use. Um, And if you haven't already done so, listen to part one of our podcast because that gives some useful principles uh, to guide you in the use of these tools.
1: Great. Thank you, Chris. As usual, a pleasure. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with our next online
0: collaboration. Speak to you then, Gihan. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's g-i-h-a-n-p-e-r-e-r-a.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.